I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. And today we are going to be discussing the ninth episode of the sixth season of Supernatural titled Clap Your Hands If You Believe. Jamie, what do you think? I believe this was a hate crime. Well, <laughs> there's a solid argument for that. Like, I, I, feel like, I feel like it's a hate crime against Dean. Like, I know that he technically commits a hate crime this episode, but also... <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's get this over and done. Let's start here, I think. Let's start with this. As I say that, I realise I don't actually know how to start this. What are we... Ben Edlund mm-hmm. makes choices sometimes, mm-hmm. and we all have to live with that. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those times yeah. where he makes choices and we have to live with it. I think we should at least be grateful because I think if it was a worse writer, it would be oh. more homophobic. Like, I, I think it, it toes the line of homophobia yeah. nicely. I think <laughs> it's, it's a really nuanced homophobia. No, like, quite genuinely, I don't quite know how to approach it. Yeah. Because it walks that line of, like, how it's aged. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, we have, like, derogatory terms being used throughout the episode. But, like... The crux of it is that Dean gets arrested for committing a hate crime that he didn't commit, but also didn't not commit. And, like, the point is that they can't figure out what... The, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of... I, I kind of understand. I really empathise with that cop. I mean, ACAB, but, like, you know, I empathise yeah. with the cop in that moment because he's like, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of hate crime this was. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> And then he's like, then I'm confused again because, like, even if it is one type of hate crime, the dude's not gay, so it's not really that yeah. type of hate crime. <laughs> and, like, okay, so we talked about way back when in our first Trickster episode, Tall Tales, right? We had an abduction storyline and we critiqued it pretty harshly because there was, like, all of the weird, quote unquote, jokes about rape and about mm. assault and about, like, you know, trivializing this man's experiences. And then in this episode, Dean gets abducted Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of discussion around Mm -hmm. the concept of assault and about consent and servicing Oberon King of the Fairies and a hate (laughs) crime objectively but like somehow it just doesn't feel as overt do you know I don't know and this might just be me but like if I look at these two examples of tall tales and clap your hands if you believe they're doing kind of the same thing like, they're making the same commentary, but this one doesn't feel as... Like, I don't hate it as much, and I can't quite figure out why. The Ben Edlund effect? But even Ben Edlund, because we know I love him, but, like, him aside. Because, mm. like, let's be real, I love a Ben Edlund episode, but that doesn't mean that he can't commit crimes. And it doesn't m- mean Equal that he has opportunity, criminality yeah. <laughs> within the exactly. Love them or hate them, all of them have committed crimes. I think my position on this, and the reason why... There are some similar sort of jokes. There are some similar humour to... And we lose those terms loosely. And we use those terms loosely, just in terms of some of the, like, things... What is considered funny. I think the difference is, in Tall Tales, the people who are making the jokes are are Sam Sam and and Dean. Dean. Yeah, okay. Both who are in possession of their souls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, but also neither of them went through the experience. Yes. Whereas this episode, Dean is the one who goes through the experience. And Sam doesn't have a soul. He has the line this week where he's basically like, well, I monitored every word I fucking said. It was exhausting. I don't have to do that anymore. Why the fuck would I? Sam's basically like, I have been masking for months. I've been masking for a year and I finally don't have to. And now you want me to do it again? 
Literally. He's like, he's like, it's exhausting. Like, and that's like fair and valid. Like, mm-hmm. as someone who also never has any idea what's the socially acceptable <laughs> thing to say in any particular yeah. situation. I'm constantly doing that valid. social I get it. This is the most I've ever related to Sam as a character. Finally, some good fucking representation. <laughs> he's literally soulless. I know what it says about me. It says I would trade my sister for 50 cents. <laughs> if you really wanted a soft drink. Yeah, obviously. On that note, how are we feeling about Sam? It kind of makes me mad at Supernatural because Jared Pellick, like, he's actually kind of a really fantastic comedic actor. Mm. We've seen bits of it We've before, seen bits of it. Like, like Bad like, Day at Black Rock. Yeah, and... is what comes to mind immediately. But Sam as Solus is so fucking funny. I didn't particularly like his portrayal of Solar Sam while he was, like, quote-unquote masking, while he was trying to hide it. But now that he's allowed to just be Solus. It's so good. He's so fucking funny. Like, there's just something in his, like, timing and his delivery. Ben Edlund also wrote Bad Day at Black Rock. Yes. So I think maybe just Ben understands the comedic potential of Jared. (laughs) Yeah, he he looked at him and he was like, he's tall and he can be funny. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make him a little bit pathetic and a bit unhinged. And a bit psychotic. Yeah. They're the two key components of what makes Sam's character interesting for me personally. Do you know what's really interesting about that? So, like, we all know that I'm a Dean girly. There's no ambiguity there. We know this. And we Mm. also know that I love Sam, but I just, Mm -hmm. he just isn't, like, that top tier for me. Mm. And, like, rip if he's your favourite. I get it. Some of my best friends are Sam stands. Looking at you, KJ. (laughs) But, you know, like... Okay, like, fair and valid. Yeah. He's a very interesting character in his mm-hmm. own right. He's, he's not my not special He's not interesting to me particularly. But what I will say is Sam is at his most interesting, his most entertaining, the most I love him as a character mm-hmm. is when he's a psychotic mess. Like, yeah. soulless Sam, I have been so excited to get to this point where it's like, he's soulless and he is living it and loving it. Like, I'm obsessed with soulless Sam. I love it. So, so much. It is one of the redeeming factors of season six for me is that like at this point we just get Sam being like, yeah, I'm soulless and what about it? He's like, I will take this as a free license to do and say whatever I want. And poor fucking team is there like being like, bro, the whole time. And it's, oh, it's something about it is just so funny because like the thing is that he's not intending any kind of maliciousness. No. Like there is no malintent. And like he is still Sam. Yeah. Like it's not like not having a soul. Yeah. It's not like not having a soul makes you evil. No. It It makes you like literally true neutral. Yeah. And I'm obsessed with this concept and I loved it even though for all intents and purposes he's not really Sam Mm. right now because he's missing the fundamental Sam quality Mm. of empathy and yeah. like all these things he is also the most sam he will yeah. ever be because he is unencumbered mm. by things like morals and ethics and, and it's so interesting to me and for me like sam is a character who i read as someone who is like chaotic good yeah like, everything that he does has good intentions but he's fucking chaotic in the way he gets there yeah pretending to be lawful good most of yes. the time Yes, he thinks he's lawful good, but he's, he's not. wrong. He's chaotic. <laughs> lawful good Sam is propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> and I will Whereas not stand Dean for is it. lawful good pretending to be chaotic good. good. Oh my god, you're so right. I love this assessment. But like And we've just reset him to true neutral. Thing is about Sam, and we I can't remember if I mentioned this on or off the pod last week, but Sam is not the only character we get across the series who has a at least a period of mm. being soulless. Evil Bobby. <laughs> No, I could still win. 
Well, or lose, I guess. Here's how <laughs> Noah can still win. <laughs> but other soulless characters just don't do it like Sam. Other soulless characters find, like, coping mechanisms. Sam is just like, well. <laughs> guess I'm fucking soulless. And it's so funny. And, like, the thing is that, like I say before, he is still Sam. Mm. And it's so interesting. Specifically in this episode, it's the first episode where they really allow mm. the exploration of, like, the inner workings of Sam's brain at yeah. this point in time. And his immediate instinct is to hate crime Dean a little bit. I, I mean, to be fair, that's his usual instinct. Again, this is not a first offence for Sam. He has hate crimes before, and he will hate crime again. But it is so, so interesting. Like, the whole moment where he says to Dean, say... You're soulless and your brother gets abducted by aliens. What are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to just sit there or whatever? And Dean's like, no, you're supposed to do anything you can to get him back. And Sam's like, what about when there are just no more leads? Are you just supposed to sit there in the dark and suffer even though there's nothing that you could do in that moment? And Dean's like, yes, yes, you sit in the dark and you feel the loss. And Sam's like, can't I do all that and also have sex? It would be in the dark. And it's so funny because it's giving Sam and Ruby, right? Like, when Dean is literally in hell and Sam's like, well, I guess I will there are no sit more leads. here. Like, I, there's nothing I can do. I've tried making deals. There's no more leads. I guess I will fuck Ruby. <laughs> it was in the dark. Like, it's so funny to me. Because it's like, yeah, this is the Sam thought process. It's just minus the angst. Yeah. Like, he's the same. Yeah. He's making the same He's making decisions. the same decisions. He's just making them quicker. Because he doesn't have he's all of the skipping things. the emotional turmoil. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, literally, I think I said to you last it's week. It's actually probably the most emotionally healthy he's been in years. <laughs> I think I said to you last week about that concept of people will have a decision. Like, they already know what they're going to mm. do. Yeah. And then they, like, will ascribe it to a reason, yeah. right? And they're going to justify it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And we are literally seeing that right now with Sam. We know that this is the decision he would have made because he has made it before. It's just that this time... Actually, arguing, it, arguably, this time it's a healthier decision. Literally. <laughs> this time, we see it without the angst and the turmoil. And it's like, we already knew him and Ruby were going to hook up. It was yeah. abundantly clear. Immediately, like, because of storytelling and narratives and, you know. But, like, in this instance, it was like, okay, it seems like an insane out-of-pocket thing. Like, oh my god, Sam would never do this. But, like, he did. It was a plot point, guys. Like, two seasons ago. <laughs> The difference is last time he felt bad about last it. Last time he was sad. <laughs> this time he's just vibing. Again, more emotionally healthy than he has been in years. Oh, Like, God. arguably since Jess died. I, here's the thing. I don't know if it's emotionally healthy. I don't know if we can call it that. What I will say is, like, you know in Mystery Spot, mm-hmm. when we have that, like, six-month period or whatever where he thinks Dean is genuinely yeah. dead and Gabe is just fucking with him and he goes into, like, mm-hmm. just the most autopilot mode of all time. It's basically that, but he's not sad. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the point of that is that he's fucking miserable and he's on autopilot and he's just doing whatever he has to do. This is the same, except that he's not motivated by revenge. He's just kind of motivated by like, well, if I'm not hunting, then what the fuck else am I doing? Like, I may as well. Like, it's a logic thing. I mean, he's not a lawyer. Exactly. Can you imagine if Sam lost his soul and he came back and instead of like going into hunting, he was like, I wonder if I could still make that interview. (laughs) Oh, I do think that would be funny. But yes, no, Solar Sam, like I said, he's not my blobo, but he does have such a special place in my heart. He's so fucking weird. But like, he's not. He's just Sam. And I love that for him. Okay, are you ready for my PSA of the week? Do you know what? I'm not, because I couldn't think of a guest. Oh. 
it was abundantly clear to me. Like some weeks, I'm was... like, some weeks, I'm like having to think about the episode, and like what can I tangentially relate to this? You're one? like, how like, abstract no, can I make this? This one here is like it is very cut and dry. It's very straightforward. I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, no, that's that's my PSA. So what are you feeling? What are you vibing? What do you think my PSA of the day is, Beth? You do in fact oh, have to guess. I'm I'm, th- I'm going through Denver. my notes. I'm going mm. through my notes. I am trying. Okay, I've got one. It's okay. kind of a, it's kind of a general one, and it's yeah. more of a comment on the production of the episode than anything mm-hmm. like actually contained within it. So I don't yeah. think it's going to be right, but I'm going to say it because I think it's true. Okay, I think it goes without saying. Props went hard this episode. Yeah, like especially like the encampment of UFO tri- mm-hmm. like hunters, I guess. You know, with all the vans and all the painting and stuff. And so my PSA is like, if you are gonna go hard, mm-hmm. then go hard. And Have they- fun and just lean into it. They really did. They even changed the title card this this week. They did, and I fucking loved it. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but like the music through a lot of the episode mm-hmm. was also very specifically like mm-hmm. genre, and yeah. I loved it. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm wrong though. And it's you not are. Your PSA. You are wrong. My PSA this week is: do not put things in the microwave that you should not put in the oh, microwave. Oh, that is a good one. Don't go microwaving fairies like that. They're not designed to be microwaved. That's asking for disaster. I do love the scene after that happens, though, where Dean is trying to show Sam all the blood and guts that is splattered across the inside of the microwave. And he's like, don't you see all the, Ugh. and Sam's like, what? And he's like, you know, the, Ugh. I'm like, I love that he doesn't actually have descriptive words. He can't just be like, don't you see all the mess? Don't you see all the blood or viscera or anything? He's like, the, Ugh. and I'm like, I love that for you. So yeah, so don't put shit in the microwave that's not meant to go in the microwave. That is how I ended up accidentally melting a KFC container in my nana's microwave. Oh no. One time my brother was trying to make a baked potato and our toaster oven was broken. And I was like, Andrew, what are you doing? The toaster oven is broken. And he'd had this potato in there for like an hour and a half. An oven that wasn't even on. And I was like, bro, what are you doing? He was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, you know, you can make baked potatoes in the microwave, right? Like it takes like 10 minutes. You can do it. And he was like, oh, okay. And then I had a horrible thought as I left the room. I was like, he's going to put the fucking tin foil, like our foil wrapped potato in the microwave. And I came back in. That is exactly what he was doing. And I was like, Andrew, no. He was like, what? You said you could do it in the microwave. I'm like, yeah, but. But not like that, bro. Ah. So yes, no, don't put metal or other non-microwavable objects in the microwave. That Mm. is a solid PSA. Thank you so much. I was pretty proud. I was like, this is a very obvious PSA. I'm actually kind of surprised that you didn't even come close to guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I get so distracted in that scene by the like way that it ends because mm-hmm. the like when he like does close it in and it explodes, and he's like ha ha, and then it like goes black and then ding. Like I get so distracted by that <laughs> that I forget about like what's actually happened. But yes, also while we're on this scene, I want to just point out that I think ground control to Major Tom was a great choice in terms mm-hmm. of music. Yeah. Number two, the GIF of Jensen Ackles peering into a camera and going, nipples? Question mark? Is used so much. I can say that. This seems like a very gifable episode. You know the Tumblr porn ban and it started banning a bunch of images that like were not porn yeah. but like had flesh tones or whatever? Literally it Potential was just female like, presenting nipples. Yeah, exactly. And it was yeah. just like it's POV, your staff, and it's just like the gif of Jensen Ackles going, nipples? Question mark? Like it got used everywhere. And also, it's not maybe a point that I often see people mentioning, but like when he is explaining to Sam about the nipples, he does like a double finger gun moment. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. Like, that's just what a choice. 
Like, <laughs> sometimes the actor men do things and you go, why did you do things? Oh, I have a jacting Joyce. A jacting Joyce. A jacting Joyce. Like an actual, mm. like, you know, not one that I'm just going, I think this. It's one that I actually know. So after Dean comes back to the hotel room and finds Sam sleeping with the girl from the UFO mm-hmm. site, when Dean goes to sit down on the bed that they were fucking in and then he, like, looks down and, like, jerks up and changes his mind and sits on the other bed, that was a Jensen jacting Joyce. He was scripted to just sit on the messed up bed and then he was just like, that would not happen. And he sat on the other one. And I think that's just fun. Because I do love that moment. Because nothing else is really happening in the scene. Like, Sam's pretty much, like, out of frame. Like, he's in the other room. And so, like, you just get this really fun... He's like, what was I meant to do? Not fucker. <laughs> exactly. And then you get this really fun sort of couple of seconds of Dean having this, like, internal panic and then he goes to sit down he kind of like jerks out of it and it's like a very like comedic moment where he goes and sits on the other side of the bed or the other bed entirely Mm -hmm. and I just think it's very fun all right did you have another space that you wanted to move into oh yeah there are there are a couple of shock choices that I want to talk about this week oh okay I'm interested because I have one that I hated there is one scene where Dean's running away and it looks like they just had Jensen Ackles have a camera on a selfie stick it's the same one I hate that one I literally have a note where I was like why does it look like he's vlogging? <laughs> so same brain. Yeah. It's just, for what is otherwise, like, I don't think there was anything too spectacular about this episode in terms of, like, direction. Oh, it was um, directed by John yeah. F. Schoel. So he's, like, like, a supernatural veteran at this point. Like, like, him and Ben Edlund both being here is, like, they're experienced in the show by now. To be clear, like, I think it was good. It wasn't anything, oh, my God, wow, gorgeous. But, like, everything, like, served a purpose, except for that one shot. <laughs> And it was insane because it was just like, for anyone who hasn't seen the episode recently, it was the scene where Dean is kind of trying to escape the dude in the red beanie who's been like low-key stalking him the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, we never fucking find out who he is or how he's relevant because he just disappears at the end. And I think it's he's just, just not like addressed. random fairy number four. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so Dean's like trying to escape this guy. And there's this shot that goes, like, the camera is facing Dean mm-hmm. and you can kind of see over his shoulder see the guy who's following him. Yeah. But the, yeah, it just looks like he's got a GoPro on a selfie stick. And like, it's just this weird fucking angle. But then, like through the rest of that sequence, that angle is never used again. No, the other one shots shot look it, yeah. totally normal. Yeah. It's just that initial one that looked weird. And also I felt like it was more blue. Like yeah. it was more like Twilight. Like in colours than the rest of the series. It was They just... were really out here making choices with that shot. Like it didn't seem like an entirely necessary shot, which is... You know, not out of character for Supernatural, but, like... <laughs> it was just weird. It, yeah, they, they were making choices, and I, I most of the rest of the shots in this show were, weren't that bad, but, like, just that one, I was like, okay. But right. we're putting the camera on a selfie stick, that's... <laughs> Though, I will say, the lighting in this episode did send me back to season one. I thought so, too. I thought, so. literally, at the very beginning, in, like, the opening sequence, there was that moment where Patrick says, did you see that? And I literally have a note that says, well, I sure didn't because it was so dark. I was like, I literally don't know what you're talking about. Oh, was there a shadow? Unfortunately, that's the same color as the rest of the fucking screen. So. And here's the thing. Like, I think previously my stance has sort of been like, if you can justify it in show, it's fine. Yeah. 
And to be and fair, it was the middle of the night. To be fair, it is justified in, in show, But it did also send me straight back to season one. I think that season six thus far, in terms of colouring and lighting, has been way more reminiscent of season one than, like, the end sort of seasons of Cricky era were. They, like, it's kind of like they were like, okay, we're resetting to what we... They took a hard left turn yeah. into grunge, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that we've mentioned this recently, I can't remember which episode, but talking, I think, about the Campbells. They were trying to do something, and we see what they were trying to do, but, like, they tried to play into the wrong thing. They tried to hype up the wrong aspect of the show. They fundamentally misunderstood... What people liked. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, isn't surprising. It is the CW Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, they're notorious for ignoring <laughs> they're, they're notorious, feedback. They're notorious for ignoring feedback and also just making some weird decisions. We all know that the CW Supernatural is notorious for ignoring market research data (laughs) so look i'm not shocked that they were fundamentally misunderstanding their audience and what they fucking wanted it's an interesting turn and i've mentioned before like season seven kind of brings us back out of that i think they realized by this point in season six i'm sure that they knew yeah that whatever they were doing wasn't working very well yeah and they were gonna try and pivot out because the second half of season six does shift quite significantly mm-hmm. i think and then going into season seven season seven is its own fucking energy <laughs> completely unrelated to season six Look, it sounds like it's gonna be unhinged and so i'm excited you know I me mean? i love it i love something that's nice and unhinged much like, like sam supernatural is yeah. at its best when he's being unhinged yeah. and comedic <laughs> exactly like you just gotta lean into it like at its core, Supernatural is inherently unhinged. Like, it is, it just is. You know what I mean? Oh, also, I have some Naomi insight Ooh. on this episode very quickly because she was pottering around doing things in the kitchen while I was watching today. And Also, I was 100% correct. I, it was about fairies. Yes. Oh, my God. We didn't even mention yeah. that. You were. Yes. Ta-da! Yes. Fairies. It's the first time in a long time that I've been, like, really, truly, Actually, like, on, on the it. ball. Like, yes. I'm very proud. You should be. But... I have two quotes from Naomi. One of them is a answer to a question I posed, and I would like to get your answer as well, okay. because I'm curious. So the first point that she made is that she came out while I was watching like the intro scene, and the girl is just yelling Patrick over and over and over. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. And like, I wasn't really paying much attention to how many times she yeah. says it. But then Naomi was literally like, wow, I wonder what his name is. <laughs> I was just like, okay, yeah, she does literally say it like 1,000 times. In two minutes. So that was uh, one uh, piece of commentary. But I posed the question, if I were to get abducted by aliens, fairies, or otherwise, how long do you think it would take for them to return me for being annoying? I want to see if you and Naomi have the same time frame. So it's kind of hard because, like, is there any way for them to know you're annoying before they take you? Because if so, they wouldn't even take you. (laughs) No. Assuming that I'm a complete stranger to them and they take me from the street. Okay. I feel like you'd go, this is just like Jensen Ackles, and then release you immediately. <laughs> so, Naomi said two hours, depending on whatever special interest topic I chose to tell them about. They said if I chose Taylor Swift, it would drop to 20 minutes. See, I, I feel like that's inherently wrong. I feel like if it's supernatural, it drops to like 10, 15. And Taylor Swift, I reckon they could do maybe half now. The reason I think she went for Taylor Swift being 20 minutes is because there is so much Taylor Swift everywhere in the media right now. Like, you cannot avoid it. Like, the oversaturation of Taylor mm. Swift is what would pu- push them over the edge. But, but I'm, I'm not thinking that aliens know about Taylor Swift. That's... Well, this is the thing. Aliens probably don't know a lot about anything to do with social culture. So I feel like I could really 
interest them with my in-depth knowledge of both Taylor Swift and Supernatural and the Venn diagram overlapping of those two topics. They would probably want me to tell them about like the biochemistry knowledge I have. That might actually be relevant to whatever they're trying to do, but I'm not going to start there. <laughs> I'm not going to give them what they want. That's a lie, actually. If we, I was visited by aliens, I would probably just immediately try to befriend them. So that's that on that. In this week's episode, Bethany is literally too nice. Wait, do you have opinions on aliens? I, f- I feel like it's kind of naive to assume that we're the only organisms living anywhere in the universe. Mm. Like, the no, universe is fucking massive. To the point where we can't actually comprehend how yeah. large it is. So I think that the reason why we haven't met aliens and we don't know of any aliens existing is technology. And I think that inherently no organism is ever going to get technologically advanced enough to be able to make contact with other planets. Mm. Because the planets are so far away to be able to actually have intercommunication. Have intercommunication between planets. I think that before any society will reach the point of being that technologically capable, they will destroy themselves. Yeah, I was just like going to say the same thing. Like, I think that if we ever were going to reach a point, we would need to do it before we're all taken out by climate change. And yeah. that's just not going to happen at this yeah. rate because we don't have enough time for technology. Like, technology advances quickly, mm-hmm. but climate change, <laughs> that's also happening pretty quickly. So... Yeah, no, okay, cool. We're on the same page with aliens then. Yeah. Anyway, okay. That is the definitive answer. We are correct. No one can argue with us. We know that you came here for our opinion on whether yeah. or not extraterrestrial life is possible or likely. I mean, I feel like Why I else would you came listen here to this for podcast? our opinion on whether Dean is gay or not, which is equally as important. <laughs> In an episode that, yeah, like, I'm I'm fully convinced there's a hate crime of some form. I, okay. Like, I actually do want to talk about this a bit more. Dean in particular... And Dean and sexual assault, which we've talked about before, but I think it's important to bring it up here. If this is a topic that's going to be upsetting or triggering for you, we'll put some timestamps down in the in the show notes. Maybe just take this opportunity to check that and then skip ahead if you need to. I really want to specify that, like, yet again, we have an instance of heavily implied sexual abuse or assault to the point where, like, again, they specifically call out, like, the probing table mm. and stuff and, like... It's, again, a Dean storyline. I worked it out. I worked out why this joke works here, but it didn't work in Tall Tales. Mm. Because this joke is building up to the probing table. The probing table is the worst thing. Mm. In Tall Tales, it's not. The worst thing is, oh, I was probed, but then I had to slow dance with an alien, and that was kind of gay. Like, the the way they framed it is different. The framing is very different. Yeah. yeah. But, like... Before Dean is even abducted, like, he's running and he's, like, freaking out. And Sam is just, like, chilling and ordering another beer. And I do think that the cutting between of those two scenes was very fun and very effective. But Sam specifically says, like, oh, you better run, dude. I think the fourth kind is a butt thing. And Dean's like, empathy, Sam, empathy, you know, like, Mm. come on. And it's it's a comedic thing, but it is also, like, Sam is being very cavalier about this very invasive implication, you know. And then Dean comes back. And even when the woman that Sam was sleeping with is leaving, she's like, what were they like? And Dean's like, they were grabby, incandescent douchebags, which again, like, assumes there's been some physicality that was non-consensual. And then when Sam is, like, trying to get out of Dean, what happened? Like, I said before, like, he mentions the probing table and Dean's like, oh my god, don't say that. And then he puts his hand on Dean's knee and he's like, it's okay, safe room. And, like... It's very funny because we as the audience understand that Sam is putting it on here. Like, this is Sam pretending 
to care. Yeah. Like, Sam does not give a shit. He's doing this for performance value, right? Mm. And, like, we know that, and Sam knows that, and Dean knows that, and it kind of creates this very entertaining scenario of, like, everyone knows Sam doesn't actually give a shit. We're all heavily aware that he is acting here. But it's also not that, because Sam touches Dean's knee and he full body flinches. Like, it's not necessarily about the fact that it's Sam, but just in general, like, considering the environment that Dean has just come from and, like, the experience that he has just gone through, someone just touching him without him expecting it necessarily, especially it being someone that he's, like, not in a trusting state with at the minute, that in itself is, like, adding to this, like, sort of off-screen narrative that we don't get to see. But it is, again, Dean being put in an example of some form of sexual abuse or at least physical abuse. And yeah, it's just, I don't really know like how to speak about it, but I didn't want to not mention it Mm. because this is now such a recurring thing for his character and it will continue to be a recurring thing for his character. And even like later on, like they're talking to the, the lady from the beginning of the episode and she says like, I personally think they take them to service Oberon. And then the camera fully focuses on Dean. There is no one else in that shot. It's tied on his face and like his reaction. And then Sam is like, Dean, did you service Oberon, King of the Fairies? Hate crap. Which is like microaggression. Okay, thanks, Sam. Like, <laughs> And like, again, this is not the first time that Sam has done this kind of thing. Like yeah. if we think back to even like play things mm-hmm. and the whole like, you know, well, you are kind of butch. Maybe she thinks you're overcompensating. Like this is not the first time that Sam made this kind of comment. No. But this is a different context. Mm-hmm. This is in the context of, did you perform sexual favours for Oberon, King of the Fairies? And it's like, so the fact that Dean doesn't answer, like, it's just, it's a lot. Dean should really get financial compensation for every time he's microaggressed by his brother. Like, <laughs> genuinely. But what's so funny is I think Sam, like, especially at this point, is just so fucking oblivious that he just doesn't even think about it. Like, mm-hmm. if Dean actually came out to him, he would be fucking fine. But it's just like, because... He just doesn't think about it. Like, yeah. he's just in that lovely, blissful state. Yeah, where it's like, I've never had to consider this possibility yeah. before. And I think that's exactly what it is. It's not that, like, Sam doesn't care or Sam's, like, necessarily specifically homophobic or anything like that. No. He just, he's never had to consider that before. It's not that I think Sam is maliciously trying to be, like, you Homophobic know. to his closeted brother, but... No. He's just never had to consider what it's like to be not straight, because he is incredibly straight <laughs> though you know the autistic coding of soulless sam is fucking real which i don't know if that's in it of itself like kind of like a problematic yeah like sort of take here's the thing i don't i don't think it was intentional no i, I don't think they sat down and went oh how can we make you know like how can we differentiate soulless sam from like normal how sam, sam normally performs yeah. yeah and i think the key thing is It's not that the writers are like, oh, well, we're just going to make him act like he's autistic. Like, that's not the the thought process there. And I also think that the bit that's autistic coded about Solar Sam is not so much his behaviour, but his masking. And that sort of feeling of otherness and everybody has something that I don't. Like, obviously, the connotations that it's a soul are great. But it's more that sort of feeling of like, well, everyone else just sort of understands everything inherently understands everything inherently understands what is appropriate within a situation Mm -hmm. and like you know it's not representation it's not no (laughs) very very explicitly it's not (laughs) it's not representation but it there are those commonalities between solar sam and like he's exhausted all the time because he's been masking and he's been trying to act like 
everyone, how everyone expects him to act. Mm-hmm. It's not so much how he's acting as the fact that he's acting different to everyone else and then he's trying to cover up the fact that he's acting. Yeah, and actually that brings me back around to another thing I wanted to touch on, which is that Sam has a couple of moments where like he is explicitly looking for clarification from Dean yeah. as to how he was supposed to act in a particular instance. Yeah. We get a couple of examples, one of them being like when Dean's explaining what's happened with the fairy in the microwave and he goes, I'm not supposed to laugh, right? So like we get that moment where he's just checking in to be like, I recognize that you seem to be of the opinion that I don't know what's happening right now. So like, I'll check with you. Is it rude if I laugh at you? But then the fact that he's even asked, is it okay to laugh at you right now in and of itself is kind of rude rude because he's just saying like, I think that what you're, the trauma you just experienced is pretty fucking funny actually. (laughs) And, like, objectively, from an audience perspective, he's, valid. he's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, to Dean, that perspective is just not correct. And then, specifically, I wanted to talk about, at the end of the episode, when they're sitting on the Impala and they're doing their, like, stereotypical, like, bro bonding moment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Except they're not. Mm-hmm. Because Dean reaches into the green esky and he pulls out two beers and he offers one to Sam and Sam turns it down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really, really interesting and it comes kind of into the... So getting rid of your soul is a solution for alcohol. Well, no, because we have seen Sam drinking specifically beer all episode. Mm-hmm. He has been drinking all episode. Every single time we cut, like they split up and we cut to Sam from Dean, almost always he's drinking, right? And so for him to turn down the beer at the end of the episode is really specifically interesting to me because it's not about the beer. Like, that interaction is about an invitation into a social setting. Dean is, like, initiating their familial bonding moment. He's like, this is what we do. At the end of a case, we come back together and we talk about what happened, we debrief, we share a beer. With it's a, a stupid su- green esky. With a stupid green esky. <laughs> oh, and fuck, I'll get cancelled on Twitter for that one. <laughs> My apologies. After the green <laughs> I retract my statement. <laughs> but it should be blue. Anyway. And then it would be Cass. Then Cass would be present in the scene. Oh my goodness, we fixed it. No, The sorry. only way Sarah Gamble's letting Cass in the <laughs> That's actually why the esky is green. She was like, ex on blue. We can't have blue. <laughs> it being green though, does that imply that it's Dean's esky? Yeah, I guess. I'm pretty sure we really only see him interacting with it. Mm. One time Sam puts green smoothies in the green esky. And Dean is unimpressed. But <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Dean is trying to initiate this bonding moment. It's not about the beer. It's about the shared experience of the beer, right? And Sam declines it. And so it's Sam kind of unintentionally declining this social cue of, hey, let's share a beer. Like, even if he hadn't wanted to drink the beer, like if he wasn't thirsty or like he just wasn't yeah. feeling it, whatever, he could have still taken it and then just not really drunk it. Yeah. Right? But he doesn't. He he fully declines it. And I thought that was really interesting, just kind of building on the conversation mm-hmm. that we were just having. But also, like, Sam, yeah, through the rest of the episode, he's just drinking. So it's not about the beer. Yeah. It's about the social interaction, and it's about the bonding, and it's about the communication. And there's, like, a fundamental mismatch here. Because, like, him rejecting that beer to Dean is more than Sam just being like, I'm not thirsty. But Sam doesn't see it that way. Sam's yeah. just like, well, I'm just not thirsty, so I don't want your beer. And I think that for, like, neurodivergent people, like, that's, like, a common thing where, like, there's this, like, this seemingly very well understood social thing and then it's just, like, okay, but, like, I just wasn't thirsty. Like, I didn't mean to offend you, but, like, you offered me a drink and I didn't want one. You know, it's like when someone comes over and you're, like, oh, can I get you, like, a cup of tea or whatever? And it's just, like, a thing. And then if you don't want it, you feel kind of rude because, like, somehow you've transgressed. (laughs) 
even though it's just like, no, I just, I, I don't like tea kind of thing. Okay, I did want to talk about the opening scene again. Oh, okay, let's get right from the end back to the back start. Back to the start. Let's, let's start again. Let's run through again, make sure we get everything that we missed. I just have a question for the Americans out there. Ooh, I love when we have a question for Americans. Are those letter jackets actually fucking real? The what what? The jackets with like the big fucking letters on them? Oh, yeah. Like, they're like Riverdale ones. Yeah. Yeah. I they seem know, fake. I feel like it's one of those things, but you don't really go on TikTok, so I don't know if you've seen it, but like sometimes... I come across a TikTok hilariously. TikTok is always like, wow, Australians living in Canada. And I'm like, oh, that's so funny. Or Australian moves to US. And I'm like, wow, I wonder why I'm getting fed this particular content. See, I don't use TikTok, but I do sometimes look at the shorts on YouTube. And they recommend me the ones that are like, this Canadian moved to Australia. Yeah, I get those too. <laughs> like, this is what surprised me about living in Australia from the UK. Like, yeah, I'm like, huh, I wonder why I'm getting fed this Everyone content. seems confused about roundabouts. Yeah. Around about, it's just, like, not a fucking thing. Like, I, I kind of get it. If you came from the US and you were used to driving on the right-hand side of the road, mm-hmm. then you, like, yeah. I understand that being, like, an unnatural situation. Yeah. But, like, is it really that fucking complicated? I love a good roundabout. Yeah. I much prefer them to traffic lights. But anyway. What I about digress. two roundabouts combined for a fuck? <laughs> you know what? Shut but- the fuck up. <laughs> That's some local humor for you. But what I was going to say was that I have seen, like, TikToks and stuff before of people going to the US and being like, it literally looks like the movies. Like, I feel like I'm on a movie set because, like, I'm walking around and it just looks like what I'm used to movies looking like and it just doesn't feel real. Like, I feel like I just everything here is a movie set. It's kind of like going to New Zealand and being like, oh, I'm in the Lord of the Rings because it's just like, this is just what that looks like. And, like, to be fair, that makes fully justifiable sense with New Zealand because they literally just shot it and they... Also, The Lord of the Rings is essentially a nine-hour ad for New Zealand. Yeah, and they also just, like, they've still got a lot of the sets and stuff assembled that they use on the actual movie. So, like... And if you get the opportunity to go to New Zealand, this is, like, a 30-second quick advertisement. It's fucking beautiful. Our next international trip? You can go to that fucking pub or whatever from (laughs) that episode. But anyway, no, New Zealand is beautiful. It's a lovely country. The people are delightful, even if they do think they invented the pavlova. And they'd be wrong. They're wrong. But, you know, that's okay. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, if you ever get the chance, it's beautiful. Highly recommend. Anyway, sorry, go on. Yeah, so I just want to know if they're real. Because, like, I see them all the time in media. And I'm like, they just seem, there's something so inherently fake about them. Mm. I'm like. It's because they seem like they're a thing from a movie. Yeah. They seem like they're Riverdale. And I'm like, well, Riverdale is fiction, but is America also fiction? Like, I know there's a joke that, like, Australia isn't real and we're all paid actors, which if we are, they're not paying us enough. But, (laughs) like, it also kind of feels like America is just made up. Yeah. And they're all paid actors. And, like, from what I can tell, like, they're meant to be, like, if you're on, like, a school sports team or something, you get a special jacket, which... Seems wild to me. Seems insane. Okay, so this may just be an Australian thing, but, like, I was on a couple of sports teams in high school. I did football, soccer, and volleyball. That's right. Jamie was a jock. (laughs) I also did uh, the 1500 metres, flexing on my last place participation. (laughs) Humble brags. Humble brags. But, like, no one gave a shit. I swear to God. So I did both indoor and beach volleyball. And... We trained, like, twice in the gym at lunchtime. <laughs> and then we all got on a bus, went and played for a day, and then got bussed back. Oh, and that was it. This is so funny because this is something that has also always confused me, specifically about High School Musical, the franchise. Because, like, there's that 
a whole fucking scene where Gabriella is like dramatically leaning against a wall and there's this just fucking floor to ceiling picture of Troy's fucking face. And I'm like, who is doing this? He's like a literal child. He's 17 max. Why the fuck is his entire face bigger than her whole body on this wall? What? kind of ego trip are you setting up these no wonder he was having a fucking mental break over wanting to be in a play no fucking wonder i would too do you want to learn another fun fact about the high school musical franchise i would love to do you want to know what the most translated wikipedia page is do you want to take a guess i'm assuming it's gonna have something to do with high school musical for for a person so it's an actor in it's an actor in high school musical oh take a guess which actor in high school musical do you think has the most translated page in, on Wikipedia. So right. it's available in the most languages. I'm going to assume it's not going to be Zac Efron because that feels like it would be the obvious mm-hmm. answer. You're right. It's not Zac. Zacky boy, you might say. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Corbin Blue? Like, I don't... It's Corbin Blue. It? Yes. So, literally, the, the top three most translated pages yeah. on Wikipedia for people, like, we're talking specifically about people, so not about things. Yeah. Number three is Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. Number two is Jesus Christ. Number one is Corbin Blur because he is one fan who is so dedicated to him that they have learned multiple languages to translate his Wikipedia page. But yeah, so basically the way they worked this out was there were some programmers that were like, oh, we're kind of curious about this. We're going to write like an algorithm. We're going to write some software. We're going to write a program to be able to work out what the most translated pages on Wikipedia. This is an actual good use for AI. Yeah. So they, they wrote this program and they ran it. And they, it popped out the answer in Corbin Blood. They were That's like, so funny. This seems bizarre. This seems fake. So they rewrote it and it popped out Corbin Blood. They rewrote this out like this fucking program seven times That's because so every funny. time it popped out Corbin Blood. And they were like, this cannot be right. But no, it is literally correct. Do you know what? This is what you could tell the aliens to make them put you back. <laughs> they, they asked you like, who is your leader? Who is your most respected person on, it, on your planet? And you're like, well, the person with the most translated Wikipedia. I say here that 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 wouldn't be my answer. My answer would be the leader of our planet is the person who bothered learning like two dozen languages. Actually, good to point. Translate yeah, right. this Corbin Blue Stan. <laughs> if that's you, kudos. Wow, what a fun little tangent. <laughs> I don't remember what we were fucking talking Again, about. Again, I learned this on the internet though, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> but if it's true, fucking hilarious. That is so fucking funny. Second point on that first thing that I wanted to make is... Oh, okay. <laughs> you had more actual content? Yeah. I know I'm meant to feel bad for the dude that's just been abducted by the fairies. Patrick. Patrick. Just in case you missed it. In case you missed the 1,000 times they called him Patrick, yes. I know I'm meant to feel bad for him. It is really hard for me to feel bad for him when he's so fucking stupid. Is this because he just wanders into some corner? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> what could go wrong here? It's the middle of the night. Instead of just being like, oh, that's like... Let's just go home and we'll come back and investigate in the morning. I know. I'm just going to wander into some court. How could that go wrong? I don't know a lot about North American farming Mm. practices, right? I'm just going to put that out there. Like, my farming knowledge is limited at best and also limited to this country. Crops like corn, at least like around where we live, like it's not the kind of crop that you're seeing regularly. Like someone might have corn in their back garden, Mm. but like not as like fields of corn. So every time I like see a cornfield, because it's just not something that I like think of. Number one, it reminds me of, again, Lord of the Rings and Merry and Pippin running through the farmer's like fields with their bountiful mm-hmm. thieving harvest, yeah. right? 
So it always makes me think of little hobbits, and I think that's like, oh, ha, ha. So, like, I get that it's supposed to be, like, really spooky or whatever, but it's just, I just think about hobbits. And I just think that it's like, oh, little, little farm boys, you know? But also, it makes me think about how I would never, ever, ever, ever walk into one of those fucking cornfields because of snakes and because of kangaroos. Why would you? To be fair, they don't really have snakes or kangaroos. Yeah, but like for me, I don't understand how you can just go willy-nilly walking through grass that tall. Because like, I mean, it's not grass, it's a corn crop. But like, essentially, it it would function the way for a snake, the way the grass functions for a snake, right? And I'm like, you just don't. If you're going walking through dry grass that's like higher than ankle height, you're wearing fucking gum boots to do it. Yeah. And ideally, you've got a whippersnipper with you. Like, and you are taking that shit out because there will be a snake in there somewhere. I can almost guarantee it. And like, if it's even taller again, like, yeah, a kangaroo will just be in there and they're fucking huge. I don't think Americans are concerned about kangaroos. I get that. My point being, like, the thing that would scare me about being in a giant maze of corn, I don't think is the same thing that, like, I feel like for Americans, they just must be kind of, like, inherently spooky mm. because it's, like... Because you can't really see You can't out really see... Like, and, similar to the same way, like, a forest is spooky. Yeah, like, especially... But worse, because it's all together. Well, I like, was just going to say, like, kind of like a monoculture forest. Where, yeah. Because like, you get sort of turned around because everything looks the same and it's, like, weird and mm-hmm. kind of unnatural. But the difference is a monoculture forest, there's enough space between the, the trees, trees that you can normally see Sort of figure bit. out where you are. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like inherently the cornfields are scary to me, but in a very different way to how they're scary for people who actually have them. Because for me, I'm either like, they're a fun, happy place full of thieving hobbits, or they're a place full of animals that I wouldn't want to accidentally step on, you know? Whereas I feel like for Americans, they're more like, you just don't want to get lost in there. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not an American. I can't correct you. I wasn't really addressing you with oh, that. <laughs> I see. I'll just fucking leave. I see where the, I see the where podcast the... anymore. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I see where the confusion came in because I looked at you directly as yeah. I posed the question. Yeah. See, and you this is why. First. Bethany is admitting to her and this, wrongdoing. And this is why Solar Sam is the first time Jamie and I have related to Sam. <laughs> Fundamental misunderstanding of social cues. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, did you have any other bits and pieces that you wanted to touch on for this episode oh i do just want to say i love the fact they changed the intro yes but they do fully use the clip of them wearing sunglasses at night I from, know. <laughs> from fucking changing channels yeah i know and it's so funny where they're like oh we look like dickheads here and they're like oh we're gonna put it in black and white and use it seriously here i love it well i think that the point of that is kind of like in that episode obviously they were playing into the genre and mm. then in this episode again the point is they're playing into the genre and i just yeah. i did love that addition actually <laughs> And I will just say, I do love the fact that they've now decided the direction with Sam's character is definitely like, you care about people and that's great, but it couldn't be me. Yeah, literally. Literally. Okay, so I actually had a couple other, Mm -hmm. like, Sam moments that I wanted to touch on just because this episode is full of them and Mm -hmm. I just want to highlight them. I missed the most important bit. Mm -hmm. There's the line from Sam at the end where he's like, I still have all my brain cells. I'm like... Babe, you have brain cells? <laughs> I was just going to say, we've literally talked about them having three collective brain cells, him, Dean, and Bobby together. Yeah. And Bobby has the time, most of the time. Bobby has two and Dean has one right now. Like, anyway, I wanted to mention the quote from Sam where he says, if you want to add glitter to that glue you're sniffing, that's fine, but don't dump your wackadoo on us, which is so funny. This man <laughs> gives no fucks. But also, when... 
Sam says to Dean, like, just after that, he's like, what am I supposed to care? And Dean's like, you have to care about everything. And I was just like, damn, that is Dean exposing himself right there. Mm. Like, that is Dean cares too much about the world, Winchester, really just admitting it for the world to see. I also love the moment where he says, I've had time to adjust. And then he gets asked, did it happen when you were kids? And he's like, no, like half an hour ago, talking about Dean being abducted. Iconic. Have you considered the possibility that you suck at hunting UFOs? (laughs) After, I mean, it turns out the guy's a leprechaun, but Mm. like, he's under the impression that this man has spent like 30 years of his fucking life on this research. And Sam's like, you're useless. And when Dean says, I was abducted by aliens, and Sam goes, I was looking into it. After Dean having found him, literally just having sex. I think that those, like, little moments are just, like, they're just so fun for Sam. And I love, like you mentioned earlier, that Jared kind of got to flex his funny bone this episode, and I did love to see it. The other thing I did want to mention, though, specifically about Sam, is that the only dude currently willing to do any kind of deal regarding Sam's soul and Sam says no. Like, there was a whole arc where Sam is desperately trying to make a deal about his soul, and no one will do it. Finally, someone is willing. And well, Sam's the like, key nah. difference is then he was trying to get rid of his soul. This time he's trying to get it back. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like it's, it's, in, it's in reverse. But also, I think that's actually the smartest that Sam has ever fucking been. He's like, well, like, obviously I said fucking no. Yeah. It's like this other dude made a deal with this guy and look at what's fucking happened. Yeah, when has a deal ever been good? Yeah. Like, why the fuck would I make another deal with this dude who's currently murdering people? He's correct. He is 100% correct. And also, I'm so sorry, I did miss another line, which is when the lady is like, no, stay, finish your tea. And Dean's like desperately trying to compliment her home in like the cutest possible way, I swear to God. And then Sam's just like, do you have bigger cups? Which I'm also pretty sure is Jared improv. Like, I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. That implies to me that he fully does like tea. Yeah, he wants more. Yeah, well, see, I'm telling you. He eats salad and he drinks tea. And by the end of the series, he's non-canonically but heavily implied to be vegetarian. In the same way that Dean is technically non-canonically but heavily implied to be queer. Equal implications for both of those things. Oh god, it's literally insane to me. The things that they decide these characters are and are not allowed to identify as. They're like, you can't be bisexual or vegetarian because those two things are feminine. (laughs) Do you remember that 303 song with the line, tell your boyfriend that if he's got beef, I'm vegetarian? (laughs) Him saying that that to Dean about Cass. (laughs) There's a scene coming up. And I don't remember where in the season it is, but it's really soon. And it's this confrontation between Sam and Cass. And when we get to it, I will point it out to you. Because I want a fan edit of that interaction with that song. And you can tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef. And I'm a vegetarian and I'm not fucking scared. Point over the top. That's My so mind, funny. galaxy brain, I'm oh, predicting fuck. shit that I don't even know I'm predicting. Uh, it's not really a prediction, no. it's just such a funny concept. Because <laughs> it is like a really intimidating scene, and honestly I do think Cass comes out of it like having had the last word. Yeah. But it would be so funny. <laughs> okay, do you, do you have any other points that you no, wanted to? No, I think I'm all done. Like, I think this episode is just wild. Yeah. And I don't think there's any, like, changing that or, like, it, it just, it is what it is. 
I have just like a couple of things mm. that I want to point out, but like they're very brief. Like I'm just going to sort of list them. Number one, when they're going through like the genre style, like interviews at the very start of the episode, yeah. it was giving Philomena Kunk. And I loved that because I love Philomena Kunk. I also love when the people that Sam and Tina are trying to interview basically tell them to fuck off because I'm like, that is actually the most yeah. realistic response mm. and yeah. I do enjoy it. Also, the Christmas lights at the UFO site camp are giving Stranger Things, and I kind of enjoyed that a little bit as well. When Dean comes back from the abduction and he's literally got an angel blade in one hand and a gun in the other, something about that just makes me real happy. I just love that those are his two go-to weapons of choice. Like, I think that it says a lot about the weapons that he feels most comfortable using, specifically in the context of him being the Michael sword. Like, I just think it's interesting that he was like, the gun that is his primary weapon and has been the entire show, like with the pearl handle and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then like the angel blade and the other, like, I just think that that is like very fun and kind of symbolic of Dean in terms of his creation, I guess. I like that he seemed kind of proud of himself, that he surprised the fairies because he didn't think that anyone else had ever tried hacking or slashing at them before. Just the way that that line was kind of delivered, I enjoyed the delivery because he seemed like genuinely like, you know what? I don't think anyone had tried that before. I think I did it first, you know? He's an innovator. Yes. <laughs> Sam's face when he's looking at the fairy statue is fucking priceless when that then that lady's house. Oh, the moment where the leprechaun says, we fairy folk are all about energy. I just wanted to mention that he's clearly an empath. Yeah. <laughs> The cop telling Dean that he's all kinds of messed up and him not having a, like, quippy response to that kind of broke my heart just a smidge. Because we know that Dean would normally, in this scenario, have, like, a comeback kind of thing. But in that moment, he kind of just goes quiet. And I was like, oh, yeah, that one, that one hit. And the last thing that I wanted to touch on, I'm not going to elaborate on it too hard just because I don't think that it requires it. But I did think it was interesting that Sam equates having a soul with suffering. He's you're saying that to have a soul is to suffer. And I thought that that was really interesting comparatively to Cass, especially in seasons four and five, when he is saying, I'm beginning to feel, you know, and Anna comes back with, it gets worse. And we were like, yeah, it will get worse. But that's kind of okay. Like, it's the duality of... It'll get worse, but it'll also get better. Yeah, it's the epic highs and lows of, of emotion, you know? You have to be able to feel one to appreciate the other. Like, if you've never been sad, it's harder to appreciate being super happy. And obviously, there's a lot more nuance in that statement, but as a very broad strokes generalization, I thought it was just interesting to have, like, Sam as, like, a soulless human being, sort of having that same kind of confusion, I guess, as, like, Cass, who is a being who, up until this point, to our knowledge, doesn't actually have a soul because he is not a human being in the same sense. Anyway... I think that is everything that I wanted to touch on. And you are all out of points? I'm all out of points. Amazing. Okay, so, Jamie, how would you rate this week's episode, Clap Your Hands, if you believe, out of five? Okay, I think I'm going to give it a three. I think it might be worth three and a half, but I feel like there's some sort of hate crime going down here and I just can't justify giving it extra half a point. <laughs> the, the and also didn't have Crowley or Cass, which is like automatically deducting points out of it. Yeah. Actually, I was surprised because Misha was in the beginning sequence of yeah. like the credits and I was like, oh, I forgot that Misha was in this episode they're and then Misha just rated. wasn't. They're, they're literally. This is because their ratings were dropping and they yeah. were like, right. <laughs> Here's the thing, like whether you believe the CW Supernatural was queerbaiting or not, they were definitely queerbaiting because it kept on pretending that Cass was going to be in more of the show than he was. Oh, yeah. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, yep. Like, regardless of if I you think... I know exactly Des- what you mean. <laughs> regardless of if you think Destiel is queerbaiting. Just the fact that... Cass baiting. Cass baiting is a thing. Is queerbaiting because Cass is fruity. Yeah. Okay. What a, what a fun, spicy, hot take from Jamie. <laughs> the next episode is titled Caged Heat. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams, or predictions? Look, knowing nothing about it other than the title, it feels like it's going to be a big yikes episode. I, I, I'm thinking like caged tiger, like, like, oh, okay. Like sort of that sort of thing. Like imprisonment. Like imprisonment, like, you know, mm-hmm. something really dangerous is in a cage. So maybe they're like finally going to deal with the whole, like Sam doesn't have a soul thing and like mm. trying to get it well, out Well, yeah, the, the most dangerous thing like, we know that is in a, in a cage yeah. is Lucifer It's Lucy, baby. <laughs> so you think that it's going to have something to do with Sam's soul and. Yeah. Like, okay. Honestly, I have no idea, but that seems like the only thing that even tangentially makes sense. Do you think that Cass will be in next week's episode? No, I think they Cass made it this week. <laughs> I was going to say, so, Misha baiting. <laughs> they're Misha baiting. Like, I think they're, like, trying to boost ratings on the idea of Cass maybe appearing alone. <laughs> and do you think that Crowley might be in next week's episode? Okay, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, we'll get Crowley. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're Misha baiting, but they're not Mark baiting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Sarah Gamble has, like, sh- she likes him better. The Sarah Gamble long con has really evolved into something yeah. beautiful. And <laughs> I think that it's so funny that at this point it's like, yeah, 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 we, we understand, like, her plot stuff. Like, we get it. She wanted angels. She got an angel. She didn't like the angel. She tried to get rid of the angel. Like, yeah. we see that. But now it's, like, the intersocial, like, we're like, yeah, we think that Sarah Gamble personally had a problem with Misha Collins, and we are going to say that with our whole chest. <laughs> Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, and obviously, like, we don't know shit, but, like, and if I don't think it's fun. If Sarah Gamble wants to come on the show and defend herself, she's more than welcome. Standing invitation. <laughs> anyway, I think that just about does it for this week's episode. Hopefully you have enjoyed listening to us talk about it as much as we have enjoyed talking about it. And also, hopefully, we will have you back next week for Caged Heat. If, in the meantime, you wanted to interact with us any other way than listening to us waffle on in the ear for an hour or so every week, you can always find us on any of our socials, all of the links for which will be in the description below. And some possible topics for conversation could include... Are cornfields scary? Yeah. I want to know, have you ever been lost in a cornfield? Like, genuine question. Like, I'm not trying to make fun, but, like, is that a common thing? Because to me, it just doesn't seem like a thing Mm -hmm. that would feasibly happen, at least not often. Like, I understand a kid, like a little kid maybe running into a cornfield and getting lost, but, like, a fucking grown-ass adult? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What's your favourite Sam up to this point? Is it Solar Sam? Is it Addicted to Demon Blood Sam? Mm. Is it Desperately Trying to Fit In at College But Doesn't Fit In at College Sam? Like, I love all the different iterations of Sam, but I do think Soulless, it's really up there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really up there. Or is it a different there. version that we haven't seen yet? If so, put it in the spoilery chat, obviously. Yeah. I do love this iteration of Sam. I think that, I know we're wrapping up, but I do think that part of the reason that Soulless Sam hits such a, like, a fun spot is because they really were like, have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's one of the few iterations of Sam where it gets to be very, like, fun and less angsty. Yeah. And it's just, it provides a bit of a break. Ooh, was it Unlucky Sam in Bad Day Black Rock? That's another great example. So I'm telling yeah. you, it's Ben Edlund. Yeah. Ben Edlund is like, I think that Sam should just be a silly, goofy boy. He's like, let me make no Sam interesting for a <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for listening, and hopefully we have you back next week. Bye! Bye.